0: Ask Aubrey is supported by Eliza and Wild. Eliza and Wild creates all-natural, high-potency CBD products designed to give you targeted, everyday self-care, inside and out. Their ingestible and topical CBD products are consciously designed with all-natural and intentionally sourced ingredients and fully recyclable packaging. So it's good for you and for the earth. And y'all... Eliza and Wild literally does not have a single product that I don't love. I have them all and everything smells and tastes incredible and is made with ingredients that I can feel good about putting on and in my body. I take the CBD and MCT oil drops daily and they help me to really keep my anxiety and my tension under control. And they also have a line of amazing CBD topical products including this lip balm that I am truly obsessed with. And like, did you know that CBD actually has anti-inflammatory properties when you apply it directly to your skin? Because I didn't until I started to use this lip balm and it is changing my life. And also it smells amazing, which we all know is really important. And I know that you're going to love these products just as much as I do, so when you grab yours at ElizaAndWild.com, you can use the promo code Aubrey15 at checkout for 15% off your order. That's ElizaAndWild.com, E-L-I-Z-A-A-N-D-W-Y-L-D.com, and make sure to use code Aubrey15, that's A-U-B-R-E-E-1-5, for 15% off. Hey there. My name is Aubrey Henderson. I'm a self-worth coach and professional calm in the chaos. I believe that when you're feeling stuck in your life and you can't decide on the next right step, that getting some perspective or a pep talk from someone outside of your shoes can be an absolute game changer. This podcast is that pep talk. Every week, I'll share my responses to listener questions, Real life coaching sessions and interviews about topics that you can connect with and learn from. All things that will help you to reconnect with your own self worth and inner goodness and vision for your life so you can feel great and get shit done. Welcome to Ask Aubrey. I'm so glad you're here. Hey babes, welcome to this week's episode. As promised, this week we are going to continue our mini-series on people-pleasing. And in the last episode, we talked about people-pleasing at kind of a high level. So how to tell if you're a people-pleaser and the ways that people-pleasing might be hurting you in your life and in your relationships. And if you didn't have a chance to listen to that one, I would say go back one episode, um, episode 40, people-pleasing part one, and I would say um, listen to that one first before you jump into this one. But today we're actually going to dig into the why behind people pleasing. You know, why is people pleasing even a thing? Why is this a phenomenon? If we're saying we know that it's harmful, it's limiting us in our relationships, we're going to talk about that today. Um, but before we jump in, I know that in the last episode, which was actually a rebroadcast, I actually recorded that back in January and shared it um, on the podcast. I mentioned that there is a resource I'm working on and that it's coming later this year. It was sort of kind of like a vague, (laughs) vague mention of that. And, you know, I wanted to share that actually that work has come to a bit more fruition since I recorded that in January. And I actually am in the process of writing a book about people pleasing, which is super exciting. I am working with an awesome co-author who is also a coach and who's also had her own personal journey with people pleasing and with codependency and together we're writing a book that will help you to break up with people pleasing and develop new practices in your life that help you to, you know, build healthier relationships, build a stronger sense of self-worth while ultimately taking care of yourself. And so more on that to come, but that's all to say that this this mini series will give a nice little taste of some of the types of things that we're including in the book Um, so stay tuned for more on that but for today so why why do we become people pleasers and why do we do this in our lives you know if we're able to name that this is something that is challenging and is painful um, and a lot of people don't want to do but we still do why and obviously you know each of us i say all of this to say each of us are unique individuals right we have our own stories we have our own identities our own relationships and those things all come together to inform kind of our own personal experience with people-pleasing and for everybody it's going to be a little bit different but with that said I do think that there are a few big categories of you know reasons why we as humans more broadly engage in people pleasing behavior And, you know, a few big categories that I think really capture the why behind it. And so there are three um, that I'm going to share. And the first is that we, you know, we give with an expectation that it will be reciprocated. This is that internal voice that says, you know, if I can help others be happy, if I can solve other people's problems, then surely I will find the love and acceptance that I've been missing in my life or the love and acceptance that I want. So if I can help others be happy, if I can love others really well, really effusively, then surely I will get the love and acceptance I've been missing in return. And I think this one's really interesting because I, I know a lot of people pleasers, myself included, would kind of balk at this. They would sort of like really vehemently deny that this is a thing. They would say, no, 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 like that's not true. I am giving selflessly. I, you know, I do this because I'm selfless and generous and I just love helping people. I love, you know, helping and encouraging because it's the right thing to do. I just love people so much. I, you know, I don't like to say no or really set boundaries because I just have all this love to give and I don't want to put limits on it. And, you know, look, candidly, I think that's bullshit. And I I say that lovingly as a person who has said very similar things when called out on behaviors that are very much people pleasing behaviors I've said kind of that whole like every one of those thoughts of like no no, no, I'm just a giver, I just have so much love to give. I just love people and i I genuinely believed that you know this was just me going above and beyond for the people around me and that I was you know truly burning myself out on caretaking, that I was not setting boundaries letting folks kind of walk all over me. And truly, I believed that this was just because I was like a giver or, you know, someone who was just really loving and caring. And y'all, that wasn't true. If I really, you know, look at myself during that time and even now, I feel like that wasn't true. And I think 9.9 times out of 10 for people who are engaging in this kind of more pervasive people-pleasing behavior there is a manipulative undercurrent to it right whether you're aware of it or not there is a motivation underneath this where we are engaging in these people pleasing behaviors because we want so badly for someone to reciprocate them to shower us in the same kind of love and care that we give so freely to others you know to defer to us and our opinions and You know kind of do what we want instead of you know what what other all the other people around us want to notice that we're always the ones kind of going with the flow and you know that somebody will suddenly ask us what it is that we really want or you know to kind of center us in our needs like we always do for them and if you're listening to this right now and you're noticing yourself feeling defensive or if you're thinking like you know okay sure maybe this is some people but this is not me I want you to stop for a second, and I want you to think. What if I could tell you definitively, and I realize I can't, but what if I could tell you definitively that no one is ever going to reciprocate your gestures of caring? What if I could tell you that with absolute certainty? That no matter how much you learn to anticipate someone else's needs, no matter how many gifts you give, No matter how many times you show up for someone when they need you. No matter how many times you neglect your own needs for someone else. No matter how many times you make a decision about your own life based on what someone else wants. No matter how many times. What if I told you that they will never, ever do the same for you? If I could tell you definitively that no one... Is going to rise to your level of care and show up for you the way that you're showing up for them. How does that land with you? Notice how that feels. You know, do you still feel just as fired up to keep trying until someone turns around and treats you like you've treated them? Do you feel like, you know, well, Aubrey, I'm going to prove you wrong? Like, I know I can love people well enough and I can demonstrate how I need to be loved well enough that they'll they'll love me in return the same way. And to be clear, this was me and my mindset for a long time, to a T. I mean, I share all of this because I've lived this. And sometimes I still catch myself doing this, right? This is not like a thing that I have like, you know, just fully healed and recovered from and it's over. Like, this is still very much an active process for me. I say that all the time. And there are parts of my personality, right, where I do get genuine joy just out of doing a kind thing or an encouraging thing for someone else, right, or making someone's life easier. Like, that's still real. But I really have to watch myself. And I really have to kind of interrogate my motivations for why, you know, I'm doing those things. And what that looks like in practice is asking myself, you know, am I doing this because I hope that this person will do the same for me? Am I doing this because I'm trying to convince this person that they need me and will they'll have some kind of revelation that like, oh, I should treat this person better because they're treating me well? Am I trying to love this person enough that they're going to then somehow understand that they need to love me back because that's the way I want to be loved too. It's understanding your motivation, what you hope the outcome will be. And then it's also asking yourself too, you know, if there's a need that I'm trying to get met, if I know that like I want my spouse to get gifts for me on, you know, Every anniversary we have or, I, you know, I want my spouse to do this thing for me or I want my sibling to always say I love you when we hang up the phone or I want my friend to, you know, just anticipate my needs and show up for me. You know, you're noticing those things. Is there a need that you're trying to get met with people pleasing behavior that you could instead just name verbally that you could explicitly ask for? what would it look like instead to just ask for what you need? You know, what would it look like? What would it feel like to name what you need for the other person and give them the chance to react to it being named clearly instead of you kind of attempting to influence through your behavior towards them? What would it look like to just ask for what you need? And noticing the thoughts that come up there, the feelings that come up, There might be fear that comes up and, you know, what is that fear? What what is holding you back from naming what you need? What's causing you to instead try to get your needs met through people pleasing rather than getting your needs met by asking for what you need directly? So that's number one. Reason number one, we people please because we think it will help us get our emotional needs met. We think it will help us get the love we want. Another reason why folks engage in people-pleasing behavior is, you know, kind of even broader than our relationships with others. It's more global. It's that people-pleasing can feel truly central to our identity or our perceived role in the world, right? It's how we source our worth. It's how we feel useful and indispensable and how we feel connected to the people around us. So this is the internal voice that says, If I don't make other people happy, if I don't make other people's lives easier, then my life has no purpose. Or then I'm unclear on what my life's purpose is, what my role is. And this, you know, can certainly apply to your role in a relationship too, right? We can get ourselves to a place where we believe that we, you know, if we stop people pleasing, then a certain person or certain people in our lives might not want to be in a relationship with us anymore. So then our identity or our behavior as a people pleaser becomes central to maintaining that relationship. You know, changing the behavior, you know, we fear that it might jeopardize that relationship or, you know, might jeopardize our identity or our role as a part of that relationship. And that could be true whether it's with a partner, whether it's with our friends, with our family, at work, whatever it is, it can show up in any kind of relationship and we show up in any role for an extended period of time, it then can begin to feel like we don't actually know who we are anymore when we're not playing that role. There's sort of a loss of identity outside of the role. And I think what's also true here is we can begin to feel like our ability to make another person happy or to be super flexible for what other people need or to solve other people's problems for them or to always take other people's advice or defer to their opinion, even when it's about our own life, we start to feel like that's somehow the only thing that we have to offer. Right? It makes us doubt ourselves, makes us question ourselves, and anything that sort of falls outside of that part of our identity. You know, literally asking yourself, what do I bring to this relationship if I'm not making the other person happy all the time? or always making sure they have what they need what else is there and this is also i think the belief that gets us disconnected from our own desires and our own needs and that's an area that i find so fascinating in working with my one-on-one coaching clients right who are often folks who you know want to break that cycle of people pleasing they want to start to approach their life and their relationships differently and so Something I work with those clients on is, you know, a part of breaking up with people pleasing is reconnecting with your own desires. And the reason that I say reconnecting as opposed to, you know, just prioritizing your own desires or like following your heart or whatever that is, is because after you've engaged in people pleasing behavior or codependency for a long time, after this has become part of your identity, you begin to actually get so disconnected from what you want and what you need that sometimes it fully gets lost. I mean, we get so wrapped up in focusing on what everyone around us needs that we truly lose sense of what it is that we need, what it is that we even want. Often to the point that somebody who is kind of a diehard people pleaser, you can ask them questions about what they want or what they need and they'll struggle to answer you. That was true for me. For a long time, people would ask me, you know, about my goals or what I wanted or what I needed. And I would, I would answer that question by naming somebody else's desires or somebody else's goals or what somebody else was working toward because I was so enmeshed and so focused on what other people wanted that I literally had no sense of what it was that I wanted or needed, right? And so it's truly a whole process to get reconnected to that to really get in touch with what it is that you want and what you need and without having that process of reconnection without knowing that like oh I can I can anchor myself in my own needs and my own desires and that doesn't mean ignoring other people's right but it means having a really strong sense of self without kind of knowing that that process is there without having your own wants and needs to anchor yourself in the idea of then letting go of this people pleaser identity of letting go of people pleasing behavior can feel really scary right because you can say okay i need to stop being such a people pleaser i you know i don't want to do this anymore i'm tired i don't want to be a people pleaser i really want to please myself i want to focus on what i want like it's time for me to prioritize me and that's all well and good but then there comes a kind of really scary moment of like oh shit what do I want? Like, what is it that I actually want and need? And so that's the second why behind people-pleasing, right? It becomes so central to our identity, both in our relationships and more globally. And so it's tough to detach from it because we lose sight of our identity outside of people being a people-pleaser. We lose sight of who we are outside of being a people-pleaser. And finally, I think there is an element of people pleasing that is so fascinating to me and that I would say is the third and final kind of why the the large why behind people pleasing that I'm going to share and it's really in a nutshell it's the idea that people pleasing is a convenient distraction from our own emotions it's this inner voice that says focusing on other people's problems means that I can avoid looking at my own. Focusing on other people's problems means I can avoid looking at my own. And I think this is a big one for most people pleasers, I would say. And it's something that I don't think we talk about enough. I think, you know, the first two kind of whys that I shared, I feel like people talk about all the time, the sense of like, who am I if I'm not helping others and, you know, I'm helping others because I hope they'll be loving to me in return. But I feel like we don't talk about this one very often, that that it's, it's a kind of defense mechanism or like avoidance tactic. And I think it makes sense that we do this, right? Because it's adaptive. You know, so many of our people-pleasing behaviors, even br- more broadly, just our behaviors as humans. So whether that's the impulse to people-please, the ways that we want to meet other people's needs, the ways we want to feel needed by someone else. I think these things are all driven by an avoidance of painful emotion. So when we're, you know, when we're people-pleasing, we are focusing heavily on what other people are going through. We're focused externally on what other people are going through. We are, you know, leaning in. We're trying to help them solve their problems or solve their problems for them. We are Doing whatever we can to keep the people around us comfortable, to keep them from getting upset or hurt or offended. We're making sure we're making the choices that will keep them happy. We're really, really focused on other people's kind of emotional state at all times, having a pulse on how different choices will make other people feel. But then what we're doing is we are immersing ourselves in someone else's or multiple someone else's emotional experiences and that allows us to kind of escape from our own emotions including painful emotion and so you know if you're not sure whether or not you're doing this there are questions you can ask yourself right you can ask yourself when you are you know engaging in this kind of broader pattern of people pleasing behavior you can ask yourself you know are there any painful feelings i'm avoiding by over-identifying with the feelings of another person you know what emotional pain do I get to ignore when I focus all of my energy on keeping someone else happy you can ask you know what are the feelings that come up for me that I am quick to dismiss as not being a big deal I think you know that this is a big one because for a lot of folks who are really focused on other people and their feelings and emotions there are there are emotions of our own that bubble up but we're quick to dismiss them what are the feelings that you dismiss within yourself right and then there's also a question that I think is interesting with more broader application than just people pleasing but thinking about you know is there an emotion or a feeling that I avoid at all costs and this isn't just you know which feeling am I, this isn't necessarily which feeling am I distracting myself from when I'm focusing on others, but is there a feeling that you're like, I won't go there? I've talked about this before, but for me, it's, it's sadness. It's deep sadness or grief. I will kind of go through a lot of like mental, emotional gymnastics to try to avoid sadness and grief. It's most of what I talk about in therapy, um, but noticing what those feelings are, And letting that be kind of a clue. Am I using someone else's pain to distract from my own feeling of this feeling that I tend to want to avoid at all costs, using that as a clue? And, you know, when we look at this as a route of people pleasing, we see that, you know, this is a, this is a really a method of self-protection, honestly. You know, we're thinking, oh, cool, I get to skip over the part where I am hurting I get to skip over that and ignore that, and I can help somebody else feel better, right? This is a win-win. I, can, I don't have to focus on my pain, and somebody else can feel better. But unfortunately, what's actually happening here, right, is that when you are sort of spending down all of your emotional energy, imagine your emotional energy is like a gas tank, and you're spending all of your emotional energy exclusively on attending to others, focusing on other people, making sure everyone else is around you, everyone else around you is okay, still that pain is existing there. You're suppressing it, you're pushing it down, you're ignoring it, but it doesn't go away because we're not healing it. So it will resurface, it will reappear, but what's going to happen is you're going to have spent down your entire emotional energy tank on holding other people's feelings, on supporting and seeing and holding space for other people's feelings and then what you do is you leave yourself with without those emotional resources without that emotional energy to cope with your feelings effectively and this is why people you know this is the point where people come to realize oh people pleasing is painful right this hurts is when we get to that point where it's like oh i still have emotional pain as it turns out None of this made it go away. It just means I helped focus on helping everyone else get through theirs. And here I am left alone with my own pain. It's still there. And so the challenge here is that the answer is not, it's not to ignore other people's pain completely, right? And somehow become entirely self-centered. That's not the antidote to people-pleasing. That's always, you know, a big thing that feels important to say to folks because no one wants to go from, that's not true sometimes when people are really in pain and really hurting they say like you know fuck people-pleasing I want to go from people-pleasing to like let me just be entirely selfish but I think when you think about it folks who are folks who are people-pleasers really would like to find a way to love on others and care for others and also care for themselves it's about balance it's not about let's disregard other people it's not about you know fuck other people's pain but we can't just ignore what's going on for us personally and instead just live completely in other people's experience and, you know, look to solve their problems, right? Ultimately, this, you know, sort of balanced approach requires that you both regularly reflect on and confront your own emotional experience and your own pain and your own triggers, and that when you find yourself drawn to trying to resolve someone else's pain or drawn to trying to fix someone's problem or you know, get hyper-involved in what they're going through or in their emotions. What you're doing then is you're taking that intentional pause. That's what so much of this is, right? Taking a moment when you notice that you're going to move toward these people-pleasing actions, right? It's not about just stopping them cold turkey, but it's taking that intentional pause. And you're asking yourself, what am I avoiding looking at within myself right now? by you know over identifying with this other person what is the pain or the emotion that i'm avoiding within myself right now and how can i make space to address that and that doesn't have to mean don't help the other person that doesn't have to mean you know don't hold space for pain and feelings of people that you love and care about but it means that we're actually doing ourselves and others a disservice when we're spending down all that emotional energy in someone else's pain and not addressing our own. And so to recap, so there are three big whys we talked about behind people-pleasing, the reasons that we engage in these people-pleasing patterns. The first is that we people-please because we think it will help us get our emotional needs met. The second is that people pleasing becomes central to our identity, and we lose sight of who we are outside of people pleasing. And the third is that people pleasing allows us to avoid looking at our own pain by letting us fixate on other people's pain instead. And y'all, I think looking at the why behind anything is really important, but especially in areas where we are pursuing personal growth or change. You know, we have to understand the root of the behavior and ultimately the need that the behavior is meeting for us. Everything that we do, everything that's a habit or a practice is meeting a need. And with people-pleasing, when we look at it, you know, what we talked about today, we convince ourselves that people-pleasing is meeting a need for love and affection, right? That when we people-please, other people are going to love us the same way we love them, we tell ourselves that it's meeting our need for identity and role in the world and in our relationships that you know being a people pleaser is just who i am it's how i show up in my relationships we convince ourselves that it's meeting our need for a way to cope with our pain you know if i'm if i'm focused on someone else's pain i don't have to look at my own stuff but the problem is that it's actually not meeting any of those needs right It leaves us feeling unfulfilled and unsatisfied. It's not effectively meeting any of those needs, maybe partially, maybe once in a while, but not in a full holistic way. That's why people-pleasing is painful. That's why people come to me and say, I don't want to do this anymore, right? That's why we're breaking up with people-pleasing. We aren't getting what we need. We know that these are needs that we have And there are better ways to meet them. And so next week, we're going to continue to dig deeper into this series on people-pleasing. But in the meantime, you know, don't be a stranger. I would love to hear any reflections you had or questions you had listening to this episode. And you can reach out to me either on Instagram. I'm at Aubrey. That's a 4 b r e e. Or you can email me. um, My email is hello at AubreyHenderson.com. Would love to hear from you. Um, Just get your thoughts on the episode. And, you know, if you're listening to these people-pleasing episodes and you're thinking, holy shit, this is me. I'm a people-pleaser and I am so ready to be done with it. I'm ready to build new, healthier practices. Please reach out. This is one of my absolute favorite areas to dig into in my one-on-one coaching. I have helped folks to, you know, radically change these patterns in their lives to find healthier and more fulfilling approaches to their relationships and i would love to help you do the same so again my emails hello at aubreyhenderson.com i'm on instagram at aubrey and i'm um, at coaching on facebook so if it sounds like you if you want to dig into this more let's talk Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you loved it, please take a second to subscribe on your favorite platform, leave a rating or a review, and take a screenshot and share it on social media or with a friend who needs to hear a message like this one. I love the chance to hear from you and connect with you because it gives me the opportunity to remind you that you are worthy, worthy of wholeness and happiness and just good things. So send me the question or the topic that's keeping you up at night or that you just want to hear more about. You can send me a voice memo at anchor.fm slash Aubrey Henderson, and I can actually include any voice memos that you send me in the show, which I think is pretty rad. Or you can send a good old-fashioned written message from my website at aubreyhenderson.com. I'll see you next time, babes.